0: What's up, everybody? We are live with the awesome FanDuel Week Six Show. I am your host, Matt Gajewski, and I'm here with my partner in crime, Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski, and you can follow him at Kyle Tweets here. Before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell so you know when this and all other content goes live. Kyle, big news of the day Le'Veon Bell is no longer in New York chat. Le'Veon Bell apparently has three suitors two I would say are contenders one maybe has immediate opportunity in Miami the two suitors that have some playoff potential here being the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills what do you make of the situation and you know maybe we can just spin this right into some fantasy football talk what would a Le'Veon Bell signing mean to those teams.
1: Yeah, so for the, I think, like you said, probably the most immediate way for him to gain, like, any semblance of the fantasy value that he lost by both being on the Jets and then not being on the Jets would probably be Miami. I think they have the least established running backs in terms of Miles Gaskin getting a ton of work, but he's still, like, he's still Miles Gaskin, right? I would imagine that uh, of all the players, the the capital they have not invested in him relative to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being a first-round pick, Devin Singletary getting some capital, plus Zach Moss, this has got to be the most, like, easiest path path of least resistance two touches but it's also on miami so you do have to discount it a little bit relative to what i thought would be incredible volume on the chiefs maybe that's not the case so i don't think wherever he lands frankly i'm excited playing in dfs i'm probably not playing him you know if i him season long but i don't have any season long so i don't know it's just going to be more that he ruins another back's fantasy value than he really salvages any of his own fantasy
0: value in my opinion yeah. I think the most interesting spot would be Kansas city because they just invested a first round pick in, uh, the 32nd overall pick for what that's worth in Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. Now, yeah, I saw a lot of people, you know, like making jokes on Twitter, this Le'Veon Bell signing, he has experience in the slot. The chiefs are just doing whatever they possibly can to keep me Hardman snapshot <laughs> down at 50%. You know, I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think, the Chiefs, obviously, are just trying to add a weapon and give themselves some depth. They, they've been targeting running backs this entire offseason. They were linked to a number of players, including Leonard Fournette, after, after that fiasco with Jacksonville. And then Fournette, of course, ends up in Tampa Bay instead. But that's the big injury news of the day. Of course, what we do here on this show is talk FanDuel. FanDuel often not getting enough love across the industry. So we're going to give you everything you need to know about this FanDuel slate. And we're going to start off with just some big injury news, stuff to monitor going into the weekend. I think the biggest thing right now is the COVID situation in Atlanta. This game could potentially be postponed. It appears that it's just a member of the coaching staff, and they they think there's a chance that this is a false positive. But this is one of the better games on the slate, at least from an over-under perspective. What do you make of this situation?
1: Yeah, like you said, I think we saw it with the Jets last week as well that uh, we knew within, I don't know, a handful of hours, if not like overnight or something, that the Jets was a false positive. The same thing happened with the Saints when their fullback tested positive, And it was pretty quickly revealed that it would be a false positive. So I don't think we'll be like going into Sunday awfully concerned about this. And like you said, it wasn't even a player. It was just uh, like I would assume some sort of assistant or whatever kind of coach. So. I'm not awfully concerned. Really, the only reason I am concerned is that I really like this game. If it were, uh, you know, a game like, I don't know, what terrible games do we have on this slate? If <laughs> New England, Denver, I'd be like, I don't care. Scratch it. Wasn't playing any of these guys anyways or whatever, you know. Pick your game that you don't like. If it was the guys from that game, I'd be like, don't, you know, who cares? Wasn't playing those guys. Because I do have a lot of interest in Atlanta, Minnesota, I will be monitoring it closely. I do think, one, it looks fairly like this game is still played. And two, we'll know pretty soon if it doesn't end up being played. So, Keep monitoring that, but right now we're going to talk about it as if nothing has changed in regards to the COVID situation, although there are also injury situations going on with Atlanta specifically, and I guess also Minnesota.
0: Yeah, I I mean, those are two of the biggest injuries on the entire slate, thinking specifically of Julio Jones and Dalvin Cook, and I think more so Dalvin Cook than Julio. On the FanDuel-specific platform, I mean, we have Alexander Madison at a very affordable price, and he's actually coming in as one of the highest-owned players on the entire slate 7K flat for Alexander Madison over on FanDuel. So he comes in with a very nice price. It doesn't look like Dalvin Cook is going to play. Did you see anything different on that? No, I mean, I, anything can happen. We saw Leonard Fournette
1: go from doubtful to, to active and then go to basically inactive as the game kicked off, sort of, because he didn't play at all. But barring anything absurd, I, I really don't see any chance Dalvin Cook plays. It was almost immediately, uh, as soon as he was like, as soon as I got the MRI back, they're like, yes, it is good but he's not going to look great for this week and they have a buy next week. So it sets up perfectly for them to give him all of the rest they can and have Dalvin cook back healthy in two weeks. So no, I don't really think we see any chance of cook playing. There's a small chance Julio Jones plays, but now I believe he didn't log a practice yesterday. Not sure he ends up practicing today. So yeah, I, I was a little more optimistic on Julio basically like on Monday or Tuesday, we knew Dalvin cook was almost certainly not going to play. There's a chance Julio will play, but at this point, it looks fairly likely that he misses two. Dalvin Cook is almost a lock to
0: miss. Julio Jones, though, frankly, not far behind him. Yeah, it's interesting. I think most of the major matchups are in just two games, of course, this Minnesota-Atlanta game, and then Green Bay-Tampa Bay. So it looks like Devonte Adams will be back. We all know the little Twitter tirade he went on, but when he was announced inactive ahead of their week four game but on the other side chris godwin i'm i don't have a great sense whether godwin is going to play yet in this game both adams and godwin project to be fairly low owned across platforms and this game also sits with a 54 point total which i certainly have interest in any news on the tampa bay green bay situation before we dive into some qb talk
1: yeah, like you said with Devontae, he tweeted out that he was a, he essentially believed that he was healthy. What was it? Uh, were they on by last week? So it would have been two weeks ago? Did they play? Yeah, they didn't play yeah, last week. Yeah, they were so, on buy last week. So he's he's probably been healthy, at least in his own opinion. He's been healthy for multiple weeks. So <laughs> he's going to return at, I would imagine, pretty close to 100% health, as much as these guys can get to 100% health. And Chris Godwin, I think the initial prognosis is that this would be the week he returns. Obviously, that can change, but given that uh, like we don't have any massive updates on, oh, actually, Chris Godwin. So he logging, logging a limited practices. I think because he logs a limited practice and this was the projection that he would come back to this game, pretty safe to say he ends up playing this game. I think Mike Evans is actually uh, also – he was actually out of practice yesterday, maybe the day before that, but it was early in the week. I think we see a full complement of guys, maybe the only guy to watch out for. Scotty Miller also nicked up in practice as well. So maybe we see a different number three receiver. But when you have two pseudo alphas in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin suiting up, I'm not quite as inclined to move down to the number three guy as I would be for, you know, for instance, a Green Bay number three where they could actually get some run. Or, you know, this is perfect. Atlanta, the number three could actually get some run when you have like double alpha receivers. I'm not really too interested in Tyler Johnson, although I do like Tyler Johnson. He's just more of a fringe, you know, dynasty or showdown play. Not the guy who I think gets much run, assuming we see Evans
0: and Godwin. Yeah, for sure. And just for the sake of mentioning this, we're focusing on mainly the game's with the high totals that have injuries that we really want to monitor one lower, I guess, tier game, but it's still a 54 and a half point total. Detroit Jacksonville, a couple injuries in the Jacksonville pass catcher core DJ Chark and LaVisca Chanel practice yesterday. Chanel, I think was a little bit more of a surprise, but Chanel has been dealing with a hamstring injury for multiple weeks now for what it's worth. And he continues to gut it out. So I think Chanel would be the more likely of the two to play Chark. I think a little more questionable, but I think that's it for major injuries. We'll mix in some more injury talk as we go throughout the slate. As we turn over to the quarterback position, one thing I want to point out with FanDuel specifically, it's fairly flat in pricing this week. On DraftKings, we saw a couple of guys come in with immense ownership, and our highest-owned quarterback on FanDuel is Matthew Stafford. He's 7,300. And then behind him, the second, third, and fourth most-owned quarterbacks are all between 79 and 7.8% ownership. So, There's not really anyone with egregious ownership on this slate on FanDuel. How are you treating this?
1: Yeah, it does make me think that there's not as much room for for big brain pivots. But I think it's interesting that uh, I think Jacksonville plays with the slowest pace in the league. And we haven't seen Stafford absolutely like like last season. He was like, we talked about Laffy loves this stat. I like it too, is he was on pace for nearly 5,040 touchdowns, 5,000 yards, that is, and 40 touchdowns. They've actually had like a decent amount of, I don't know if it's success or just they've committed to running the ball a little bit more this year, largely with Adrian Peterson. So I'm not sure, given the ownership we're going to see, it's not immense ownership, but it is significant, especially on Vandal. If we're going to see Stafford and Minshew come in as the top two owned quarterbacks and their weapons, especially like if DJ Chark gets ruled out, Levisco would end up being probably very chalky. I think this is a game that... Given the ownership swings, I think earlier in the week, these guys might not have been as popular now that they're the top two owned quarterbacks. I might feel a little more comfortable fading or even just looking at one of the running backs as opposed to trying to get all of the popular plays in this game. It's certainly not a bad game to target. Both these defenses are terrible. Both quarterbacks have looked good. But given the ownership, I think this is a game that I can, you know, saw fade at least.
0: All right. I have a follow-up question for this. So you mentioned it. Detroit and Jacksonville are both near the bottom of the NFL in place per game. But when you look at their seconds per play, Detroit is eighth, Jacksonville is ninth. Is this just because these offenses are so inefficient? Like if Jacksonville and Detroit both have bad defenses for what this is worth, is that why the total is so high in this game? Like both of these teams are trying to play fast. They just can't string together drives. And now when they face each other, two bad defenses, is there a chance the shoots out?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's absolutely a chance to shoot down. I think it comes down to like philosophically, how do you want to approach this? Because do you look at these offenses as offenses that are just going to be met regardless of who they play? Or do you look at the defensive matchups and say, well, like Jacksonville, they're injured. And before they were injured, they weren't any good. And, you know, the same thing can be said for Detroit. So how do you look at that? I tend to think that and I think the math would bear this out. That in most cases, the quarterback and the offense have much more control of the outcome of a team than the defense does. I like getting easy defensive matchups, but I don't think I can base my entirety of I need to eat this chalk on a good matchup. Like quarterback and offensive efficiency are still what I would be targeting. I think you can get those same sort of offensive efficiency defense matchup type of plays for lower ownership on this slate. Certainly does that have a chance to burn me? Absolutely. And the total reflects that. But I think this game I'm just meh on.
0: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's not like there's other good spots that that we can target here, too. There's plenty of good spots. I mean, just looking at the games with totals above 50, we have Tennessee-Houston, Cleveland-Pittsburgh. We, If you go down the list, we have Green Bay-Tampa Bay, which is coming in with a fraction of the ownership. And, of course, that that minnesota Atlanta game. So there's a lot of spots to pivot away from Stafford and Minshew, who are the two top-owned quarterbacks. After that, it's interesting. Quarterbacks three and four in ownership, also in the same game is Kirk Cousins and Deshaun Watson, both coming in right around that 7.8, 7.9 mark as far as the ownership percentage. The difference here, you know, Stafford and Minshew are essentially the same price. Kirk Cousins is 7,100. Deshaun Watson, you have to pay up for him. He's 8,200. Now, the matchup for him is fantastic, but do you have a potential side you lean between these guys?
1: Yeah, so the the interesting thing is that Kirk Cousins and his team, despite losing a lot of football games, just continued to pound the rock. Where on the other side, like Deshaun Watson, is, especially since he's gotten out of that tough string of defensive matchups, he's played better in recent weeks. And we saw it pan out for Brandon Cooks and even Will Fuller coming off of the game where he had, I think he had like maybe just cramps in the middle of the game. He missed a bunch of snaps, has been good since returning from that awful, just back-breaking game for my DFS lineups. So I would definitely look to target the Deshaun Watson passing game. And I think when you do that, it probably gives you enough of credence to maybe eat some of the Alexander Madison chalk, because simply when you look at it, I think Alexander Madison is 2K cheaper than Derrick Henry. He's just going to play the same role that Derrick Henry does for his team. They're like, you know, they're the Spider-Man meme looking at each other in terms of these two offenses wanting to play the same way. So I definitely lean to Sean Watson this. I get the Kirk Cousins price is good. The stacking options are also kind of easy, too, because you essentially you're just locking in Adam Thielen. And if you're double stacking, you just go to Justin Jefferson. I'm probably not deviating much from that. So I don't think Kirk Cousins is a bad play, but the way his offense wants to play and the value at his running back makes me think that if I'm attacking this game, I'm much more likely to go to Sean Watson and his pass catchers.
0: I I think that does make a lot of sense just based on Minnesota's overall offensive philosophy. Now, when we talk about leverage, we mentioned it at the top of the position ownership is so flat. I'm not sure this is a week you need to get completely off the board and play your, your 1% stacks. But of course, we will certainly look at some of these plays and try to find guys in good matchups. One player I particularly like on FanDuel, and I think he'll be contrarian because of price, is Aaron Rodgers. He's 8,400, and this is the game that we like so much between Green Bay and Tampa Bay, totaled at 54 points right now. Tampa Bay, I think, has been overrated a little bit from a pass defense perspective, having faced the Broncos. The game The game, um, Drew Locke got hurt and then, of course, facing the Bears a little bit later. Notably, a stat i like to point out, they also faced the Chargers and allowed Justin Herbert to complete 80% of his passes in that game. But Anthony Lynn outcoached himself and ends up losing that game with Justin (laughs) Herbert only attempting 25 passes. A bit egregious, if you ask me. So Aaron Rodgers. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family.
1: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family.
0: VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. who's also been highly efficient this year. He comes in expensive, which automatically leads you to a more contrarian build on FanDuel. I don't know. I kind of like it. Anyone else you like for leverage? Yeah, I think that's the one, that's
1: the one for me. And the other one, surprisingly, is we're just not seeing, and earlier in the week, this was flipped. We're not seeing a lot of ownership on Matt Ryan. And I know it's kind of flat ownership on this week. So like you said, you're not getting a ton of leverage, but he's outside of our top. Like he's like number nine or 10, maybe if I'm just eyeballing it, because I'm not going to go through and count them all. It's like, I don't know, eight or nine in, like, one, two, three. Yeah, I don't know. He's like number nine in terms of ownership. And that's still not a huge difference between nine and two because Staffers are only guy with double-digit ownership. But you also have a bunch of options to get interesting and contrarian with his pass catchers. So I think he's probably my number two, but you said it, Aaron Rodgers. I'm not sure if you're wearing the hat as a bit of foreshadowing. This is a game I think we'll be talking about more so than any other because of all the high total games. We're seeing fairly low ownership on the quarterback play in this game. The running back play could be low-owned. The only really popular play I think we're gonna see is Devontae Adams. He probably deserves to be popular and you can get different by playing him with Aaron Rodgers, like one of the the best 5% round, about 5% ownership plays at the quarterback position. So not sure if the hat was intentional, but I, I like the direction it's going to point us because I agree Aaron Rodgers is probably my number one tournament quarterback, even on both sides, just this ownership for the total I really think that's a good place to go. And then Matt Ryan, I thought was going to be much more chalky against the number 32 overall defense by pro football focus grading has you know let so many different teams get there on them. Matt Ryan, assuming Julio Jones out, has quite obvious stacking options with Russell Gage. You could go Zacchius and obviously Calvin Ridley. So those are my two favorite tournament plays simply based on the ownership or the lack thereof and the game environment we expect them to play in.
0: Yeah, th- this hat is because I like Tampa Bay a lot this week. A big Chris Godwin guy. So got this hat when Chris Godwin went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> and been sporting it ever since with the Chris Godwin breakout last year. I agree with you completely. There's some other off-the-board plays we've talked about a little bit. Nick Foles with the Chicago Bears. They're while they're not exactly, you know, running a ton of plays, they're passing a ton. So it leads to extra pass attempts for Foles. Foles is in Carolina, which is maybe a potential sneaky shootout spot. Neither of those defenses especially Carolina are particularly good, but he's a sub 1% play on FanDuel. And again, I'm just not sure you need to get there. As far as guys were fading, you know, we're going to talk about fades, but you'll be fading players mostly in the 7% range. Like it's going to be hard to take a huge stance on anyone and really gain leverage. There just isn't that one chalky QB. One quarterback I've been considering is Lamar Jackson, not only because of price he's 9k flat on FanDuel, but he's not rushing. I don't know why this is, but he only had two rush attempts last week. And we know Lamar Jackson is not a Patrick Mahomes-style quarterback. He's not this elite passer. He's very, very good as a passer. But what we really like about him is what he does with his legs. And if he's not doing that, I'm just not willing to pay 9K for Lamar Jackson. Any reason why he might not be rushing, Kyle? Yeah, I don't know. Last week specifically came in with a knee injury and
1: they just annihilated it. Like the Bengals, I thought, have looked all right in some spots this season. Joe Burrow, not incredibly efficient, but like, you know, he's getting pressure a ton. You can't expect him to come in with no offseason and look great. But man, he looked bad. The Bengals looked bad. So, of course, like if you have Lamar Jackson coming with a knee injury, and I also think he was actually just like sick. Maybe that was two weeks ago, but he was also just like ruled uh, ruled out of a handful of practices because he was sick. So potentially that on a, on a micro level is why we saw one game of Lamar Jackson not running. This game, they're also, at least when the line opened, I think they are more than touchdown favorites. It's like a seven and a half point line if that still holds. If that's going to be the case and they just kind of do what they want to do against Philly, we could see another game where Lamar Jackson simply doesn't need to run. And not that that's not their game plan, but if you get up early, then what's the point of running Lamar Jackson when you want to have him for the long run and we want to have him healthy for the playoffs. So if he's at least a little bit nicked up and they're projected to just roll against Philly. Yeah. His price is prohibitive to getting other good plays in. He hasn't smashed this season. And right now we don't have any indications that this is a, a great spot for him. It could be a spot where he gets limited again. So I know there's not a ton of, we were talking about, like, you can't, like, bait a 20% quarterback. There are none of those on this slate. But I think for me, he definitely doesn't really enter the conversation.
0: Yeah, I agree with you completely. If he's, whatever it is, not healthy, they're blowing out opponents. I just don't have as much interest in a guy like Lamar Jackson. We really need him in those shootout style games, especially with Baltimore. Yeah. They've really regressed in plays per game. They're one of the slowest offenses in football. After last year, they were among the fastest. But before we change positions, guys, I want to tell you about a fantastic offering at Osmo. I know there's no Thursday night football, but the Express Pass editions we have are just downright fantastic. We've added some great tools to our new NFL Express Pass. For only $3.95, you can purchase an NFL Weekly Express Pass, which now includes everything you need for NFL Showdown and single-game contest formats. You can now get access to Osmo Showdown single-game player projections, ownership projections and top plays tool when you purchase this pass in addition to player rankings, lineup builder light, ownership rankings, and the top stacks express tool. It is our best offering ever for an NFL express pass. So head over to Osmo.com backslash join today to purchase your 395 NFL express pass. Of course at Osmo, we always have a bunch of free content too. So if you just head over to the site, we have NFL rankings free today and through the rest of the week. And today specifically, If you're looking to play some MLB, you're looking to play some golf. We have MLB rankings free in golf. We have PGA player projections from Alex Osmo Baker himself. So head over to the site, check all those things out. And, you know, hopefully we don't have as many scheduling changes. I loved the Tuesday night football showdown slate, but man, right now I'm missing a little Thursday night showdown action. Hopefully, hopefully we get it back soon here, but heading over to the running back position and the chalkiest guy we have on the slate is a replacement. It is Alexander Madison filling in for Dalvin Cook. Now, DraftKings did a, f- a pretty good job pricing Alexander Madison. He's still fairly owned over there, but he's priced in a range where I don't think he's a lock and load autoplay. FanDuel, I think he's a little bit more enticing. FanDuel, he's 7K flat. You know, he's he's slightly more expensive than plays like James Robinson, and he's the same price as Cream Hunt. And I do think he's a better play than this. I think Alexander Madison should probably be right around where Aaron Jones is priced at 8.5K. So a bit of a discount here. He's coming in with immense 37% ownership. If this game plays, which we both expect it to, what do you do with Alexander Madison? I don't know, man. In tournaments, I think I'm still probably
1: fine with getting away from him because Kareem Hunt, like are we that sure that he is going to blow out Kareem Hunt? There are some cheaper plays even. like Mike Davis is a few hundred more, but is going to come in with, I don't know, 20% less ownership. And I get that the pass-catching upside certainly doesn't factor in as much on FanDuel, but not only does it still give you half-point every reception, it gives him more access to touchdowns in, in an offense that has produced a lot of touchdowns this year relative to maybe what people expected from Teddy Bridgewater. So offenses look good. So I think if you're looking to play in large field tournaments, Madison's ownership is immense and it deserves to be immense in the sense of he is probably the best points per dollar play. It's hilarious when you when you go to DraftKings and you see a guy priced up and then you log into FanDuel and not only is he not priced up, he is lower priced I believe. Isn't he 7200 on TK? So he's lower on a site that gives you what 10,000 more salary. So hilarious pricing by FanDuel as always. I think in cash games he's just a lock and load because he's going to get essentially Derrick Henry workloads at a 2000 discount. But man, if 40% of the field if two out of every five players are going to be on him, I think, do you just have to pivot? Like, is that just what the the sharp play is, is just get off of this because he could go for 100 yards and not score, or he could go for 70 and just have an efficient inefficient day? I think the ownership is is fine. I think in my tournaments, though, I just have to get off of it because I can feel modestly as confident that there are other guys, like a Joe Mixon at sub-10% ownership for $100 less. He's not like you know, he's not five times less likely to outscore Madison. Of course, Madison is probably in a better spot, but Joe Mixon for hundred less at, you know, nearly 30% ownership. I think as a tournament play is just a simply a better play. And it doesn't sound great because I want to get Madison in, but I'm going to pivot to Joe Mixon. I'm going to pivot a little more expensive, a little more ownership in terms of relative to Joe Mixon to Mike Davis. These are all guys that I think are in the same ballpark and just not going to see the same ownership.
0: Oh, you don't have to sell me on Joe Mixon. I've been a, a day one Joe Mixon fan right from the start. But on Alexander Madison, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of merits to fading him. I'll be playing some. And I think when you have Alexander Madison in your lineup, you just need to be thinking about the overall construction of your lineup. With Madison, you probably, you know, like you can't just go down the list. You can't, you can't jam in. All right, I'm going to go Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller, Madison, and then You know, I'm going to run it back with Robbie Anderson. I'm going to play all these chalk guys. You just can't do that. If you put Madison in your lineup, maybe you need to get off the board a little bit with your stack, your primary QB wide receiver, maybe you need to play a low on tight end, but you can't just eat this 40% ownership and then eat the rest of the chalk and expect you're going to win a tournament. It's not going to work like that. With the lower price running backs, I will say I'm more likely to eat this chalk just because I believe the opportunity cost is a little higher here. And it's not like Madison's egregiously priced. He's not the minimum He's kind of in this middle price range. He's slightly undervalued based on his price. So I will have some. I agree with you overall. You know, the next highest on running back, I think, is a far, far different story. It's Derrick Henry coming in at 9K flat. And I'm actually a bit surprised that his ownership is where it is. He's just shy of 30%. Derrick Henry at 9K, 28% ownership. When we have guys like Madison at 7K, you touched on Mixon. You know, we have Mike Davis at 7,500, Kareem Hunt at 7K flat any reason this ownership would be so high in Derrick Henry or is it just me crazy and wanting to fade him every single week? I I love that we're both in on fading Derrick Henry because this season it has not been quite as
1: bad. He hasn't broken away as many long runs. He hasn't been quite as efficient in terms of, I don't think his yards per carry is as high. He isn't producing any 200 yard games. So Derrick Henry, I think this would be like on, on DraftKings, I think his price is actually a bit more palatable in terms of roster construction. With that 9K, there's a lot you can do with 9K on Vandal, and I'm not sure that you need to pay almost 30% ownership for him when you're going to get Alexander Madison-level workloads. I'm buying baiting both of the top options, and then I think there are still modestly chalky plays you can get to. Like I'm not saying you have to play 1% plays, but I'm also saying a 30% play when I have someone like Joe Mixon for cheaper and way less owned staring me in the face. I'm absolutely going to take that Aaron Jones for 500 less and 20% less ownership, over 20% less ownership. We've seen Aaron Jones absolutely destroy this season at low ownership before this game projects to have a ton of scoring. Maybe people are scared off by the matchup. I want to look at these totals. I don't care if the Tampa Bay defense is good or not. Aaron Jones is good and he plays on a great offense and he has a three down roll. So I think if there weren't as great of pivots on this slate, I would certainly be more interested in eating the chalk. But I feel good about Aaron Jones this week. I feel good about Joe Mixon, even cheap plays like Miles Gaskin or maybe a bit more chalky like Mike Davis. I think those are all fine plays. Madison, Henry are slightly better plays in terms of what you can bank in terms of their volume, but they're slightly better. They're not that much better than Joe Mixon or Aaron Jones. So I think I'm actually going to maybe uh, in a deviation from years past, I feel a bit better about the receiver chalk, and I'm probably going to go with some mid to low owned running backs this week like Mixon, like
0: Jones, even Davis. Oh, man, I thought we were just fading all the chalk, Kyle. All not, my guys will be under 5%. We're not doing that. Oh. But you, you bring up good points, and a lot of it is the opportunity cost factor. You know, Derrick Henry, who is essentially a zero, not quite, but he's close to it in the past game at 9K. I know they're favored by 5.5 over Houston, but we've seen game scripts get crazy this year. If Houston gets the ball, they get up to an early touchdown lead, we don't know what's going to happen. Derrick Henry has it in his range of outcomes – where he's off the field. They're playing Jeremy McNichols and Darren Evans in the past game if they're behind. Now, a guy like Joe Mixon doesn't have that. Joe Mixon, if we just look to last week, they were getting absolutely pounded by the Baltimore Ravens. And Joe Mixon still carried 24 times and eight targets. That's 32 opportunities in a game where they just got absolutely blown out. So Joe Mixon has the volume. I know he's an underdog here too. I I think maybe the real conversation here would be, do you fade a guy like Kareem Hunt for Joe Mixon? Do you fade a guy like Alexander Madison for Joe Mixon? We touched on Madison already, so let's hit on Hunt. He's the same price as Madison, also highly owned, coming in right around 25% on FanDuel. How does he stack up against some of these low-owned guys that we like so much?
1: Yeah, I think at the point when you get into, basically once you move off of Derrick Henry and Alexander Madison... Those guys are coming in at such high ownership that I'm pretty inclined to fade them. Once you're getting below 25%, like we've said, we're not trying to play all of the zero plays. Like Kareem Hunt as likely a three down back and an incredibly efficient back at that. He plays on an offense that has produced efficient rushers this year. I think that's the point where I start feeling comfortable with the ownership. I still think Joe Mixon is probably a better tournament play. But, you know, if you're, if you're building 20 or if you're building 150 – I don't think kareem hunt is a guy you really want to like make a concerted effort to get off of whereas like madison at that ownership i actually do think i will be making a very concerted effort to fade him just because the ownership is so high when you get down to kareem hunt when you get down to like mike davis is another one coming in a little under 20 percent. the role is there and it still gets you off of the most chalky
0: lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten
1: lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess haha in my dentist's office More than once, actually.
0: Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Votable prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Like we said, I'm not trying to play all 1% plays. I'm trying to get a mix of guys who I think give me leverage on the field and still have good projections. I think Cream Hunt... And specifically when you move down to like a Mike Davis or a Miles Gaskin, really fall into that scenario where, sure, they're not 1% plays, but they have a great role, they're fairly affordable, and the ownership isn't out of control. I still think Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones are better plays than hunt this week in terms of tournament tournament plays, because Joe Mixon, like you said, the passing game usage has skyrocketed in recent weeks. We saw him seeding a decent amount of work. I think he was out-targeted by Giovanni Bernard in the first three weeks. They seem to be fully committing to him now. So Joe Mixon, probably one of the best tournament pivots. He's cheaper than Hunt. I think I'm fine playing you know, both of these guys. My goal this week is mostly to get off the Madison and the Henry chalk. That leads me to some Hunt. So be.
0: Yeah, I think that's fine. I actually have a question for you on overall roster construction with the running back position. A lot of people are going to play three. They're going to flex one, which it makes a lot of sense. Now, it seems like the primary build people are going to take based on this ownership is going to be someone like Derrick Henry, a really expensive back and then two of these mid-tier backs like Madison, Kareem Hunt, maybe they, they pivot one of them to Joe Mixon. What do we do with guys like Ronald Jones, Miles Gaskin, who are sub-6K on FanDuel, both coming in with moderate ownership, both projecting for a large share of the workload? You know, assuming Le'Veon Bell isn't signed in Miami and assuming Leonard Fournette doesn't return or at least return to a sizable workload, which I don't think he will. I think maybe just playing Ronald Jones or Gaskin in one of those running back slots is going to lead you to a wildly different roster construction than what most of the field has. You know, Miles Gaskin, if you just want to look at at his opportunity, is it really that much different than a guy like Kareem Hunt? That's my main question, and I don't think it is. Last week, Gaskin, 16 carries, 5 targets. That's 21 opportunities, and now they're playing the Jets. Like, talk me off this ledge, Kyle.
1: No, I I think, I think the first one you talked about would be a bit more appealing for me, Ronald Jones, although I like Gaskin too. I just think, uh, you know, if I'm targeting, especially on, on FanDuel where touchdowns end up taking such a priority because Gaskin has been an incredible pass catcher, but on FanDuel, that's not quite a priority for me. Mostly I'm just looking to try and pile up touchdowns and, you know, the Ronald Jones, you have the hat on the Tampa Bay versus Green Bay game is one that given the ownership we're seeing basically outside of everyone in this game, you know, outside of Devontae Adams, if it's going to be that low, this is a game I absolutely want to target. He has a decent chance, assuming Leonard Fournette is out. And I'd imagine if Le'Veon Bell gets signed at this point, we're talking about it on Thursday, nothing has happened yet. So it would be late Thursday. He's getting what one, two practices in like a walkthrough in a practice. I don't think he's active this week. So I think we can talk about Ronald Jones, assuming Leonard Fournette is also out, not a foregone conclusion. I don't think, but if he is the guy we saw, like he he's still a relatively explosive player. He's incredibly cheap. His market share numbers are going to be good. I think he'd be my preferred cheap play, but I like, I like where your construction talk is going, regardless of if you, if you choose to go Gaskin, if you choose to go Jones, I think they put you on a very different build and they let you pay up for some of the premium receivers, which is where I actually think, I, like I said, I think that's where some of my ownership is going to come. So I like the build. It gets you on by playing either Jones or Gaskin Jones because of, although he will be an underdog because of the overall scoring potential of this game is probably my preferred play. Both of those though, I think are good tournament plays this week.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, and you've you've hinted at wanting to play some of the expensive receivers on this slate. So so let's just go there. Who do you have your eye on? I mean, at the top of this slate we have guys like Devonte Adams, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones. Slightly below, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. A lot of the high expensive plays that is are in this Green Bay Packers game. They're in this Atlanta game. Who do you have your eye on?
1: Yeah. So first and foremost, because I've talked about Matt Ryan so much, I cannot I cannot get away from Calvin Ridley, and I thought he would be. Almost in, maybe it's just the pricing, maybe it's just how much he costs, 8,600, he's only 400 less than Devontae Adams, although we've only seen a small sample of Adams, essentially one game and a half that you can probably throw away that second game. I think it's safe to say Devontae Adams is going to just smash every week, a la Michael Thomas in his prime last year. So maybe it's because when you look at the top of the pricing, you can always find 400 more and go from Ridley to Adams. But sans Julio Jones, we're going to see number one alpha receiver Calvin Ridley on a team that runs the number two seconds per play in the entire league behind only Dallas. They're also top – they're number 11, actually – in pass percentage. So they play fast, they pass a lot, and they're probably going to lose this week. So that means the exact same thing. It's the status quo from them, you know, head coaching change or not. I think we see a ton of Matt Ryan passing. All it takes is a, is a fluky, efficient game at this point. You know, Matt Ryan games that are efficient might be the flukes, but all it takes is one good game against a terrible defense, which they are facing, for Calvin Ridley to absolutely smash again, which we've seen multiple times this year. So Calvin Ridley's ownership, I get you have to pay a premium for him. It's a premium that I'm fine paying because. I get that the the price is a lot, but if he goes out over 100 yards and two touchdowns, there's essentially no price that you wouldn't be willing to pay for him after the fact. So pricing is important, but it also doesn't capture the true range of outcomes that if you get a massive game from Ridley, if he's the top-scoring player on the slate, it doesn't really matter how much you paid for him. So I think Ridley is where I would start looking at building my tournament lineups. Devontae Adams, also I'm fine with eating that chalk, though, especially because you can get Aaron Rodgers at low ownership, which I find really weird that Devontae Adams is going to be the number two Overall owned player, or number two overall receiver, and he's expensive. So you know that Devontae Adams has to score a ton of points to actually pay off his 9,000 price tag. So you know that means a lot of receiving yards, probably at least a touchdown, but no one thinks that translates to Aaron Rodgers. I don't get that exactly. So I think if you're playing Devonte Adams, you really want to get Aaron Rodgers in your lineups. I'm fine doing that because Rodgers gets you a bit unique, and we're not seeing like crazy ownership on Marquez Valdez scaling. So that's also a way to get different. So I guess my top two chalk plays that I'm going to are Calvin Ridley first and foremost, and I'm fine with Devonte Adams' price and ownership.
0: Yeah, let's build this backwards a little bit. You talked about Aaron Rodgers having low ownership and Devontae Adams coming in with high ownership. So on the slate, we we know that people are trying to play Derrick Henry. They're trying to play two of these 7K-ish backs. Pretty cost prohibitive. The second you start jamming in Devontae Adams in there, well, we're starting to run out of salary. We have three semi-expensive backs and Devontae Adams. Looks like Aaron Rodgers is the odd man out. So maybe playing a guy like Gaskin, or we'll talk about some other receivers you could receivers you could potentially play, will open up that extra salary to jam in a guy like Rogers and actually give you that contrarian stack. And, you know, you have one chalky piece, you have Adams, but now you have Rogers with him and you have a unique build. So I think that's one way to look at it. You bring up interesting points targeting Ridley. You know, I, this game is going to be fairly owned. And the one thing that stood out to me in this specific game was Adam Thielen. Like Adam Thielen coming in with 34% ownership is pretty egregious to me. I know Adam Thielen has the target share, but target share is often misleading. We've seen this with Marquise Brown and C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb having they're like polar ends of the spectrum. C.D. Lamb coming into last week had a 14% target share, but he had out-targeted Marquise Brown in raw targets, despite Marquise Brown having a 26% target share. Now Marquise Brown, of course, has the big game, but you get what I'm saying. Adam Thielen is in the same boat. He had a 30% market share in the first three weeks of the year, and he never eclipsed eight targets. Minnesota is a team that is going to absolutely pound the ball regardless of game script. They're either going to be playing from ahead from the beginning or they're going to be running so much that they get down in the game and have to throw in the second half. Last week alone, Dalvin Cook carried 20 times. He gets hurt, and then Madison comes in and carries 17 times. There's a lot of opportunities for Adam Thielen to fail at 35% ownership, and I'm just not willing to eat it in this game. Ultimately, I think he's probably the worst chalk and the chalk I'm willing to eat the least – Your points about Ridley, I think, are well-received. I am far more likely to eat chalk like that and far more likely to eat the Devonta Adams chalk. Anyone else really catch your eye among the high-owned wide receivers we have on FanDuel?
1: You know, I'm in concurrence with you on the Adam Thielen. Like, the market share numbers are good, but this team does want to pound the run. I am curious, though, uh, like, you, you kind of seem to be in on Calvin Ridley with me as well if you're are you playing matt ryan stacks with ridley and if so do you just like fade the run back and assume that the the minnesota offense doesn't get going or do you look to a guy like justin jefferson who's only 10 percent owned he's clearly operating as the number two receiver last week he set a career high in routes run by a pretty significant margin it's gotten over or at least five targets in back-to-back-to-back games I don't love him because Adam Thielen is the number one on a run heavy offense, but all it takes is a handful of plays for Justin Jefferson to get there. It's only 10% owned. He's quite cheap. Is he the way that you get your run back equity in a Matt Ryan stack, or are you just doing that? Because I agree that uh, Madison is a great play, but the ownership is difficult. Thielen is a good play, but the ownership is really difficult to pallet. Do we go to Jefferson? Do we go to like Is there a different running back you'd go to? I'm not sure what we do with the run back because it's so difficult to find unique run back plays in this game that I still want to target.
0: Yeah. To be honest with you, I'm not sure I'm going to have a ton of this game and it's mainly because the ownership on Madison and I like Ridley the most. And if I run these Matt Ryan stacks with Ridley, it's probably going to be with a guy like Justin Jefferson on the run back just to give you some of that leverage. Like if you go into this game and you're going to stack Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley, it's a fairly owned stack because you have really, and Matt Ryan's coming in. He's, I mean, all the quarterbacks are so flat. Yeah. And then if you run it back with Thielen on the other side, like you're going to have to get way different at some other spots. So I think this game overall will be more of a fade for me. And plus, it's like we have 50 point totals across the board. Uh, one big difference I saw between DraftKings and FanDuel is this Houston, Tennessee game coming in with a lot more ownership on DraftKings. I was actually, you know, I think part of that is because A.J. Brown and Derek Henry are pretty cheap over there. Over here, I, I think I'm more likely to take some stacks in this game with some flat ownership at, at QB. Like Tannehill's in the top three owned QBs on DraftKings. He's not even sniffing that yeah. on FanDuel. Like we can get some really nice ownership. I think in this game, there's some people in the chat already already chatting about it. Do you have any interest in this Houston Tennessee stack? And is there a side side you maybe prefer?
1: Yeah. So I think you kind of laid it out. I think for me, it is the Houston side, and then the AJ Brown run back is so easy. Like I think. I think Adam Humphreys got activated and we might see Corey Davis. That certainly isn't great, but like, I'm going to bet on one, a large sample of games last year, or I guess as, as large as an NFL season can give you, you know, that AJ Brown was clearly the dominant alpha number one receiver. He gets targeted on a lot of play action, which is like plus efficiency for any receiver And he's not going to be incredibly high owned. Like you said, it's going to be a lot of Derrick Henry ownership and a lot of A.J. Brown ownership on DraftKings because he's such a good value there. If we're not going to get a ton of ownership, I think the stack is quite easy. You just go probably Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, Deshaun Watson, and and you run it back with A.J. Brown. So I think because the ownership is is a bit different on FanDuel for this slate, specifically in regards to the Houston, Tennessee game, Houston, Tennessee. Yeah, the Houston, Tennessee game. You're on it. (laughs) I was like, I had to have said one of those wrong because the ownership is going to be a bit different in uh, in FanDuel. I actually think that is probably one of the ways to get unique. And it also, in a sense, does like hedge you out if you have different stacks on DraftKings.
0: Yeah, I, I think so too. When we start looking at leverage, we've been talking a lot about it. I, I think it's interesting on FanDuel specifically. There's a, a couple spots I do really like for leverage, and we touched on a lot of them already, mainly the Devontae Adams side of this Green Bay-Tampa Bay game. But I do think you can play guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, assuming health uh, on the other side as well in runbacks of these stacks. Now this is another situation where you're going to have a wildly, wildly unique construction. If you you know stack Rodgers, Adams, Godwin, well you're going to need value at some other positions. It's naturally going to lead you to maybe a Miles Gaskin, to maybe you know some of the a Ronald Jones, some of these cheap yep. plays, or you could even just throw in a Marquez Valdez gantling and get some leverage that way. What's your take on navigating this expensive, but not so chalky Green Bay Tampa, Tampa Bay stack? I
1: play a lot of it would be my my take because yeah, I think you build like one of the best leverage, but not like we're not talking about leverage. Is like, well, play bad plays and hope they pay out. Like this game total is great; it's one of the higher on the slate. We're gonna see low ownership. I think as long as Alan Lazard is not in the lineup, obviously he's not this week. It's going to be Marquez Valdez-Scanling operating as the number two. We saw him operate as the number one last week, or two weeks ago, whatever, two weeks ago. So I think the stack is quite quite obvious when you look at who you can play. Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, and you're probably playing just one other. Of You could play Robert Tanyan, but definitely Marquez Valdez-Scanling I think is a great play. He's not expensive. He's not coming in at high ownership. And the runback options are incredible receivers on the other side. And you don't have to pay the ownership for it. So I think just like the stars are aligning for this to be the clear stacking game. I want to get your take on a few of our low owned, like you have one here that hurts me so bad. DJ Moore coming in at sub 5% ownership. Like, do we just have to give up on the DJ Moore dream at this point? Because we've talked to, talked to Dather, at least talked a lot about Green Bay versus (laughs) Green Bay versus Tampa as one of our favorite games. If, say, you play a more chalky game, a slightly more chalky game, like, I'm, I'm actually a little more interested in the Matt Ryan stacks, so I have to get weird elsewhere. I can't be playing the Matt Ryan stacks and then, you know, run it back with Adam Thielen and then say, well, let's just get Alexander Madison in there or whatever. I can't play that much chalk. Can I look to DJ
0: Moore? I want you to say yes, but honestly, I don't even know if I can at this point. I mean, DJ Moore's opportunity is not bad. He's just clearly behind Robbie Anderson. And Robbie Anderson, I think, is a better price. He's still cheaper than DJ Moore on FanDuel, which someone's going to have to explain that to me. But if you want to play just the sheer leverage game, like it's not like DJ Moore is the wide receiver three on the Jets. <laughs> DJ, DJ Moore has a 21.5% target share. He's getting targeted downfield. He's kind of playing the Robbie Anderson role we've seen from, from Robbie Anderson in the past. Like DJ Moore is going to have big games. I don't know when they are. They're going to be a lot more unpredictable with Robbie Anderson commanding more targets But I think DJ Moore is in play and right now he's targeted, excuse me. Yeah. 3.5%. He's a sub 5% guy uh, on FanDuel specifically. And I think it's mainly a price thing. He's just a bad price adjusted play. But if we're playing tournaments, these are the kind of plays I'm going to at least take a look at.
1: Yeah. This is, this is going to hurt. Yeah. If he were the, if he were the wide receiver three on the jets though, maybe he'd have 20 targets in two games like Jeff Smith. So maybe that would be a good thing for DJ Moore's volume. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love DJ Moore. Just, uh, been burned too much and even last week kind of luck box with that uh untouched touchdown but i agree and i especially think when you look at price like you should be looking to make your your tournament lineup specifically not in regards to optimizing the best price because you said it like 6800 is not a great price for like a player just playing behind robbie anderson robbie anderson at 6500 is a far better play but in the wide range of outcomes where anything can happen we'll look back and these prices will obviously be incorrect some of these prices will be fine you know Devontae adams could hit But if DJ Moore goes for 20, his price will not have mattered. The fact that he was 10 or 20% overpriced, if he goes for 20 points, if he goes 100 at touchdown, his price won't have mattered. You'll just need him to win. It'll be a good play over Robbie Anderson. So I don't love DJ Moore. I think in a similar price range, Allen Robinson, it's more owned, but it still gets you off some of the chalk. Robinson, I believe he's top five in target. I one way it's top five in target share and top 20 in air yard share. He's gone over 10 targets in every game that Nick Foles has played. This offense, you talk you talked about it at the top, and I'm almost surprised at this because I thought they'd be like a ground and pound defense wins football games type of team. They're passing at the fourth highest rate in the league, the Chicago Bears are. So I think Allen Robinson at 7K, like anytime you can get a true alpha number one receiver with his target share numbers, with his pretty solid air yard share numbers at 7k and sub 15 percent ownership i think he's still a really solid play
0: yeah i think so too you, i mean robinson's just seeing an elite target share volume this year you can't really go wrong with someone seeing that much volume before we move on to to tight end guys we have a lot of great products at Osmo.com. get access to all the great Awesomeo plus tools and content for nearly every dfs sport out there with an Awesomeo plus weekly pass For $29.95, this includes full access to all the premium content and tools on awesome.com, including player projections, ownership projections, our premium Slack channel, and much more. Looking to only play NFL? Then sign up for a weekly NFL package for only $14.95. Stop guessing, start winning, and join Awesome Plus today. A lot of great stuff we have going on over there. Kyle and I doing a ton of work, you know, including these shows we're doing almost every single day, it seems like, Kyle... Really gotten to know you well over the course of these shows. And as we get into tight end, I have a strong feeling we're going to be in agreement on one particular fade at the position. He's also coming in with the most ownership on the entire slate. It is John U. Smith of the, the Tennessee Titans. This, if we just zoom out for a second and look at the tight end position overall, this isn't like last week. We don't have Kelsey. We don't have Kittle. We're missing a lot of the elite tight ends. And it's similar to, you know, some of the slates we saw earlier in the year where Guys at the minimum price, Robert Tanyan, are were, were showing up in winning lineups. FanDuel's a bit different in DraftKings. The, the highs and the lows for pricing aren't quite as drastic on FanDuel. so paying down the minimum for a tight end isn't quite as worthwhile as it is on a site like DraftKings. With that said, are you willing to eat some chalk on some of these tight ends and particularly Jonu Smith?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm willing to eat chalk at any position if the players are good, and maybe the player in this case, I don't want to disparage Johnny Smith, but the play itself, the play of Johnny Smith on a team that all they want to do is run the football, and when they pass, it's not even a lock that Johnny Smith is running a route. He is used as, like, half as a blocker and, you know, half as a route runner. He scored, what, five touchdowns on the 17th most targets among tight ends? Like – I get he's been producing, but can we project those touchdown numbers going forward? Seems quite unlikely for the chalkiest play of the slate, not like a cheap punt play style chalk. It's not like you're getting a, you know, 4.5 K Jonu Smith at that point. Sure. I'm definitely finding chalk. He's 5.8 in the highest owned play on the slate. Now, I think Jonu Smith is an easy fade for 200 cheaper. Mike Gusecki on a team that is probably going to be passing more. And this is incredible. This I have to check, like, I have to refresh my my Vegas lines page every five minutes to remind myself that the Miami Dolphins this week have a 28.75 implied team total, number two on the entire main slate, number three on the entire week. That is incredible. If you can get a lesser-owned, cheaper piece of tapping into that game – I'd much rather play Mike Gusecki. I don't love Mike Gusecki this week, but I do think when you can tap into that touchdown potential, especially on Vandal where touchdowns are at premium, I think Mike Gusecki is a better play. And if I'm paying in that mid 5K range, I'm absolutely taking him. I still think there are some cheaper plays I'd probably prefer because kaseki isn't going completely overlooked. It's just, he's a simply better one-for-one play over Jonu Smith and he's got cheaper cheaper price and cheaper ownership if you want to look at it that way. So Probably not a ton of plays in that mid 5K range that I'm ecstatic about, but I'm certainly fine pivoting off of Jonu Tugaseki.
0: Well, you're going to have to play one of them. I mean, like, looking zooming out again for a second, we have Mark Andrews. I think he's bar and a, far and away the best raw tight end on the slate just as far as yeah. talent goes. I think he's he's up there, if not the best, like, I don't know who competes with him. Maybe, maybe Zach Ertz, but I think that's... Nah. Yeah, nah. I, agree. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think it's pretty clearly Andrews but Andrews is 7.6 K like he's 2 K more expensive than Mike Jasicki. Am I willing to forego that extra $2,000 to get, you know, a slightly better projection in Andrews? No, I'm not. Especially when the ownership is, you know, Jasicki just about 2%, 1% more owned than Mark Andrews. At the same time, when we start to look at leverage plays, you know, like guys near the minimum price that I'm at least halfway interested in, we have Irv Smith who's running, I mean, we saw career highs, not career highs, season highs and routes run for Irv Smith last week for the Minnesota Vikings. Jordan Akins had been running routes at a very high rate prior to his absence last week with the concussion. But again, like Jordan Akins is 4.9K. He's 700 less than Mike Jasicki. He's 800 less than TJ Hawkinson. Like, am I going to play these one percenters? Probably not on Fanduel. So I think I'm going to end up in this 5K range. Do you see it any different?
1: I think, yeah, the the problem is like Jordan Aikens, not a bad play per se, but when you look at his price, like I don't like Jonu Smith, but for, you know, 900 more, that 900 is a valuable 900 to get up from Aikens. I think Kaseki is a better play. I will say Irv Smith, I think is the exception because on DraftKings, you do have like a vast gap between a 2,500, like 2,500 Irv Smith is awesome. 4,300 Irv Smith, I think the only thing that really gets me excited is you said it. We saw it was not only season highs, but I think it was a high dating back to week 10 of last year in targets at five, in snaps, he was nearly at 60, and that wasn't just because they played in a back-and-forth game. It was also his highest snap share this season at 68%. He's not even close to an every-down player, but at some point that could happen for him. Maybe we see him inch closer to it, and 4,300 is still cheap it just doesn't net you the kind of savings that it does on DraftKings when you can get down to 2,500 for him. So I think of all the cheap punt plays that are on the slate, there are not many good ones. Irv Smith is probably the exception to that rule. I think he's going to be kind of a staple of my Matt Ryan lineups. If only because Justin Jefferson still over 10%. I don't think he's a great play. Adam Thielen incredibly, incredibly chalky same with Madison. So I think if I want to get my Matt Ryan stacks different, because like you said, Quarterback scoring or quarterback scoring. Quarterback ownership is relatively flat. I know he's like the number nine owned quarterback, but he's like 1% or less different than the number two owned quarterback. So I'm not getting, you know, crazy unique by playing Matt Ryan. I'm definitely not getting unique by sacking him with Calvin Ridley. I have to do something weird. I think Herb Smith is probably the way I want to do that. If not, I think Gusecki is a good play. I kind of haven't been incredibly excited about the lion side of things, but TJ Hawkinson at 5,700. Are you taking a guy like Hawkinson over Joni Smith? Because I just I can't get on board with Joni Smith.
0: Oh baby. I, I love me some Hawkinson this week. And we've we got about 150 of you guys in here, by the way, Kyle, I don't know if you're looking at our chat, our chat, but I, we have the best chat in all of YouTube right now. There's just some awesome comments in there. Thank you guys for being there. and Thank you for all your comments. If you could do me a favor, hit that thumbs up button. It is the best way to support Kyle, myself and the entire Osmo team hit the subscribe button. If you like the content as well, there's uh Hawkinson for the mortgage from Steve in, in the chat. I don't know if I'm willing to put a mortgage payment on, on TJ Hawkinson this week, but I think he is a tight end that stands out in this range. Oddly enough, Kenny, Kenny Galladay is out the first couple games. TJ Hawkinson is a part-time player. I don't know what Matt Patricia and this team is doing. Kenny Galladay returns and TJ Hawkinson's routes run increase. Not sure why, but that's what happens. Yeah. So TJ Hawkins is playing a, a larger role in this Detroit passing game. I, he comes in with modest ownership on FanDuel. He's the second highest on tight end. But again, similar to QB, where John Smith leads the position just above 14%. Then we go down to Hawkinson, Jasicki, Andrews. They're all between 10 and 12. Those are our second, third, and fourth most owned tight ends. It's not like you're eating egregious ownership on TJ Hawkinson or really any of these guys in this range outside of Jonu. So I, I do think I have interest in TJ Hawkinson and particularly in those Detroit Jacksonville stacks. I'm going to look to him uh, probably above a guy like Mar- Marvin Jones as the second pass catcher there, just because tight end, is a wasteland this week. Any qualms with that?
1: No, I don't mind that at all. I was just checking out chat. Ironically, I'm in chat way more often on shows that I'm not on because I'm usually looking up like stats on my phone. But yeah, our chat, uh, our chat is kind of popping off. I saw one like a lot of lot of love for Irv Smith, a lot of love for Irv Smith because he's low owned, not because he's like a, a great play. One other low owned play on on a slate where tight end is ugly, Evan Ingram. I mean, last week basically Luckbox is getting a rushing touchdown, but before that, and still up to this point, I believe he's top five in tight end targets. He's not really moving the ball downfield, which is quite difficult because on Fandle, you're prioritizing touchdowns and yardage over receptions relative to how you would prioritize those things on DraftKings. But facing a Washington defense, especially when you look at like their secondary, not sure they're going to be able to stop someone like Ingram. They do have a good pass rush, which could stifle Daniel Jones. It's not a game I want to target, but in terms of the volume you're going to see, it's probably a higher target projection for Evan Ingram than it is for Joe New Smith. And it's cheaper and it's lower owned. I get the game environment is significantly downgraded relative to the Houston, Tennessee game environment, but we're looking for pivots. Evan Ingram may be the last one we can throw out there.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's a good call. I like Evan Ingram's target volume. This, you're just worried about efficiency, I think is the main thing. Yeah. You are very worried. <laughs> you're very worried about Daniel Jones getting eaten by Chase Young. As a, as we get close to the end of the show here, guys, we're going to go to bold calls, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. We've we've been a little up and down on the bold calls. I notoriously called on uh, the Dwayne Haskins stack in week two. That went very well. But last week, Kyle and I were on a very good stack. We were very much on that Philadelphia-Pittsburgh game, except Kyle and I didn't have the magic sauce. We did not tell you to play Fulgham and Chase Claypool, so I apologize for that. This week, as we looked at some bold calls, you know, a game I'm – interested in and we touched on it a little bit that has some sneaky shootout potentials this Chicago Carolina game and you know we're talking bull calls here we're talking off the board plays of course you don't want Nick Foles Teddy Bridgewater in a 44 and a half point total to be like if you're running 150 the main stacks you're looking at. These are a couple one offs where you play a couple Nick Foles, a couple Teddy Bridgewater stack the game and you come in well above the field. Now, Chicago, they're not running a ton of plays, but they're running a ton of pass plays, and it leads to a lot, a lot of volume for Nick Foles and his pass catchers. Running something like Nick Foles to Allen Robinson, running it back on the other side with the Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, is a nice way to access some players in really good spots this week. But you're still remaining fairly contrarian because you're playing the entire game stack, especially if you're using a guy like Nick Foles, who projects for sub 1% ownership. So my bold call of the week is that this Carolina Chicago game is a sneaky shootout spot that maybe you want to target sprinkle into your one fifties and coming over the field on. What are you thinking for bold calls?
1: Yeah, that is that is a great one. I would have gone. I'd go something with like, uh, you know, Nick Foles, three touchdowns, one to Darnell Mooney. He's playing his number two receiver and two to Allen Robinson because Allen Robinson is an absolute unit. But I will pivot and I will say Matt Ryan, multi touchdown game. Calvin Ridley catches one and Russell Gage sneakily catches the other without Julio Jones in the lineup. And the kicker is Irv Smith is the best run back option and gets you off of the chalk. I just think I want to, I still want to target this game and I want to find ways to get unique. Doing so, Irv Smith, as much as he isn't a great play specifically on Vandal, still gives you access to an awesome game. It's quite athletic. Hopefully he can get some snaps over dusty old Kyle Rudolph. So multi-touchdown game from Matt Ryan, the Matt Ryan, Russell Gage, Calvin Ridley. You run it back with Irv Smith and you make yourself some money.
0: Love it, Kyle. Love it. Everyone, thank you for all the comments in the chat. Hit that thumbs up button on your way out. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell so you know when everything goes live at Awesimo. Of course, I am Matt Gajewski on Twitter at Matt underscore Kajewski. He is Kyle Dvorak at Kyle Tweets here. We will be back again next week for the Week 7 FanDuel Show. Good luck, guys.